This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Good morning to you all guys. Welcome again to Breaking Banks Europe. My name is Matteo Rizzi. I'm the executive producer of the show. This is show number 76. We are approaching the two years of uh, recording, which is kind of amazing when you see how this show uh, started. Today, we are launching a new format. The sort of title of it is uh, She, Her, which is actually more a sort of a blink to a, to a, to a trend that recently came out into sort of... Uh, self-defining uh, uh, each and every one's sort of a personality through social media. But in this specific case, we're going to talk about uh, uh, gender equality. By the way, full disclaimer, I am here to facilitate the conversation. I'm not the expert. I hope I will become an expert because if this is a format, uh, hopefully we're going to have uh, so many more uh, shows talking about this super important topic. And without further ado, I will start briefly introducing, uh, actually let them introduce themselves, uh, our two uh, guests for today. Uh, one from uh, Monaco and uh, the other one from Rome. I will start with uh, my friend Isabella Falotano from Illimity. We have uh, met uh, I want to say three, four years ago, actually pretty much when Illimity started. Uh, Isabella, welcome for the first time to Breaking Banks Europe. Please introduce yourself for a couple of minutes. Thank you very much, Matteo. Uh, um, we met and we recognized ourselves being uh, rebels because we are both uh, somehow rebels uh, into our sectors. I am a kind and gentle rebel, but it's uh, a special... Uh, a uh, uh, way of being uh, uh, rebels. Um, I am an executive manager in uh, Illimity Bank, which is a new bank uh, established uh, a couple of years ago in Italy with a very innovative uh, business model. I'm very passionate about uh, women empowerment and really um, try to be uh, also an activist because I think that uh, we all should... Uh, uh, focus very much the risk, but also the opportunities of uh, fully empowering and including women in the society for uh, economic growth, for equity, etc. Uh, in this sense, I uh, created uh, with uh, a group of women because uh, at the end of the story, Matteo, also women are good at creating networks. This is a myth that women are not able to work together so with a group of women we uh, created, we launched uh, the first network in Italy uh, aimed at uh, financing uh, female-led startups. So business angel, financing, supporting, mentoring female-led startups, which is called uh, Angel for Women. It was uh, created uh, three years ago. And just uh, recently, uh, um, I also tried to promote with other uh, colleagues, uh, uh, an ecosystem initiative aimed at uh, promoting uh, female-led role models in STEM, in scientific and technological matters, because we will discuss about it. This is a problem. Women should be more engaged into technology, science, math, because a lot of uh, job and works lie there. So thank you very much, Matteo and Chiara. I'm looking forward to this discussion. Uh, well, as you, as our auditors already figured, you know, there is no reason to explain why I wanted Isabella to be one of the, actually the, the first uh, guest of this uh, 
uh, of this new format of the show. And uh, she's in a very good company. So Chiara, Chiara Condi, Chiara made of this matter her business. Chiara, welcome to Breaking Back Europe. Yeah, thank you for having me. So I've been working on gender equality for 11 years. So basically, that's all of my career. Um, and um, I've worked in, in different forms from international organization to nonprofits um, to the private sector. And um, today I uh, work as a gender equality advocate and advisor for very large multinationals to help them solve their um, gender equality issues or more broadly, I would say, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And um, on the side, I also started a nonprofit organization that's called Led by Her. And Led by Her works on promoting women's rights and women's entrepreneurship, and we're based in Paris. And I would say the innovative thing about Led by Her is that we mobilize the business school and the entrepreneurial ecosystems around Paris to create the first uh, program to help women who had suffered from violence rebuild their lives through entrepreneurship. And the work of Led by Her has been quite recognized. It started in 2014. So um, we have um, quite a, an extensive experience on that. Um, and then uh, I love, you know, opening this discussion. And I thought as an activist that something that was missing very much uh, on the subject of gender equality was the inclusion of men. So I've been <laughs> working um, a lot on my own podcast, which is called The Other Half, and where I interview male leaders and CEOs around the world about what they're doing about gender equality in their personal and professional lives, because I think we need to have more inclusive conversations, because whenever I was going as a speaker, as a conference speaker, as an activist, into spaces, whether that was a conference or that whether that was in a company, I would always see that it was always women listening. And I'm like, how are we going to ever change things if we don't break this? Thank you so much, uh, Chiara, for this intro. And actually, uh, it, it's a, an incredible good segue because uh, uh, the, the way I wanted to actually uh, kick off this conversation uh, is the fact that I, I read no longer than yesterday, you posted uh, a conversation uh, in your own podcast uh, with a gentleman from Hong Kong. And uh, maybe the numbers uh, are, are wrong and, and you will correct me, but uh, you were talking about uh, uh, modern uh, female slavery and, and the numbers were, I want to, there are actually more slaves today than ever before in history. And and probably females as well, because the numbers were around 50 million, which is an astonishing number. Uh, and even if it was one, it would be astonishing, by the way. So it's a uh, please correct me the, uh, when 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 I give you the word. And uh, all this to say that uh, the topic is really really broad. Uh, and in this kickoff, we will illustrate the different angles. Uh, Isabella will will then. Uh, sort of shared experience uh, in in a country in an environment you know as well but hey we are like two minutes in, into the show and we already figured out or as at least i did that there are two very similar initiatives empowering uh, entrepreneurship for women one in paris and one in italy so eventually you know we, we will be able to explore uh like geographically you know what the different uh, initiatives of uh, of this kind uh, uh, there are. So Chiara, why don't you start, uh, uh, first of all, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong in the numbers that I just mentioned, and also give you a bit of like economic economic context, you know, about, about the matter. So uh, as in the number of slaves, there are uh, 45 million uh, modern day slaves today in the world. Uh, and some of those are women. So that's the total number of slaves. Ah, okay. okay. Some of them are women. And, and as we said, women slaves exist both in terms of, of women who work in factories and garment factories, for example, and are not paid and in other forms of labor, but also as victims of sex trafficking, which is what 
we might be much more familiar with. But yeah, I, I mean, the economic situation of women and, you know, I, this is why I do the work that I do, because I think the greatest potential for the world today is unleashing the economic potential of women, right? Because the thing is that often we talk about women as minorities. Women are not minorities. We're actually probably 51% of the population, which makes us the majority <laughs> on this earth. But when we step into a bank, when we step into, um, I don't know, an insurance company, into many organizations, women look like a minority. Yeah, because we're 10%. So why are we 51% of the population? And yet, you know, we are 10% whenever we go into these environments, whenever we go into, uh, you know, a tech startup or in a science environment or in so many of these um also, uh, you know, high earning, high potential uh, environments. And that's because the world is, is not inclusive and because we have not been fully included in the economy and we haven't been given all the opportunities. So I say that there's, if we think that in the, our population, talent and potential are everywhere and spread equally among the population, then as a society, as a world, we are really underutilizing women <laughs> right now. And so I think the greatest solution for our problems, for our economy, for our world, is to use all that, you know, woman power that is currently not being used and not being exploited. And why, you know, why is the economic situation that women are in today um, the, the way it is? You know, why are we 10% of leaders? And, and, you know, why are we 5.9% of CEOs of S&P 500 companies? Well, that's because women have entered the workplace quite recently in human history. And I don't want to go too much into history, but because of uh, what happened with the Industrial Revolution, um, women, became, women became in charge of the home sphere. They did not participate in the work sphere. And it was men who went out and went to work. And so the home became the place for the women. And so women did not enter the world of work, let's say, until really 50 years ago. Um, and so in 50 years, we haven't been able to lead sort of a full adaptation of women into the working world. And that's why we have things like harassment. That's why we have things like discrimination. And a lot of things comes from bias and stereotype, which we have culturally inherited. And right now, although the laws say that women can be leaders, that women can be CEOs, that women can be managers, and that we can get anywhere, the reality is that women can't. And a lot of that is because of this very invisible cloud of bias and discrimination that still covers our society and that we've inherited from the past. And that's very difficult because you're fighting against something that's invisible and you're fighting against culture and culture for human beings is the hardest thing to change. Great, uh, great context setting, uh, Tiara. And before uh, giving the floor to, uh, to Isabella, uh, as a, you know, as a, as a male in this story, I can only say that on the top of it, uh, as in, if I took my, if I take my investor hat, uh, Truth is that uh, startups uh, with uh, at least one female in the founders or or in the board of directors are actually performing better. Uh, you know, the female female founders uh, are statistically more successful than male founders because the startups are more uh, balanced in terms of uh, they they grow more balanced. Not because uh, there is a balance in the board of director, but simply because the 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 understanding of people, the empathy is just bigger. So when you, if I had to pick a startup to scale that has to like hire a lot of people, I would rather pick a, a woman CEO, you know, as, as an investor, I would privilege, I would put more money into this type of, uh, uh, into such a type of, uh, of startup. And, and this is like only one micro aspect of it that I deal with every day. And the second as a male that I deal with every day is that, uh, I have so many female friends in the business, especially in emerging markets. And Africa is a whole sort of different ballgame for gender equality again. 
that uh, are basically not taken seriously and and uh, unless there are actually like a, a previous uh, um, exit entrepreneurs that so they go and speak with the men mostly in financial services and the first thing they they hear is not about the business is about is about something else so this this is the sort of experiences uh, in my like last mile that I touch with my hand every day but uh, the problem is so much so much bigger than that Isabella sorry I sorry for this uh, interlude that was rather big but uh, the more we talk about it, the more I feel excited about talking about it. Uh, no matter, I absolutely agree with uh, what uh, you said. So substantially, diversity is creates a lot of value because if uh, so, some companies are more successful is because there is a good mix of uh, real diversity. So diversity and inclusion, which should be the key word, probably inclusion. So we should get rid about diversity and talk more about inclusion. And then linking to what uh, Chiara said uh, about leaders and leadership, maybe our, maybe, I'm sure that our, re- our success, our real achievement uh, for us as women and for society in general will be when we will be talking not about female leadership or women leadership or female entrepreneurship, but when we'll be talking about leadership. So, I mean, where the gender is somehow um, a, a just one of the aspects and characteristics which has a sort of neutrality, and uh, when women will not be treated as a sort of endangered species, because, Kara, uh, you mentioned the fact that we are treated somehow as a minority, somehow we are treated as pandas, you know, to be spoiled like uh, uh, pandas that are risking extinctions, but we are 51% of the world. So, I mean, we are half of it, and half of it is the hashtag of a huge European movement to claim for half of the funds uh, and gender budgeting uh, in the use of uh, next generation youth. Uh, So I think that uh, one of uh, the core issues uh, is still linked to unconscious biases, so uh, there is a cultural topic, which is stratified in centuries and centuries. And then there are also uh, unconscious biases. Uh, it's human to um, select when you have what we say in Italian, la cooptazione, when you select people uh, with, uh, so uh, in your inner circle, to select those who are more similar to you. You don't select automatically those who are really diverse. Diversity takes an effort. It brings you far away, but there is a sort of effort of getting acquainted, of knowing each other. Diversity takes a little bit of time to be uh, then fully exploited as an engine, but then it's really a powerful engine of uh, growth for a country, for a group, etc. As you mentioned before, on the results of the startups as an investors where there are more women because it's more balanced we have different views in italy one of the core issues at the end of the story is really linked to the very low employment rate uh, italy is really lagging behind in terms of employment rate we are i mean in the last uh, three seats uh, at european union level less than 50 percent and this is really a problem because it's linked then to lack. Uh, a lot of women are not financially autonomous, and this is another topic which has a lot to do then with banks, for instance. Um, uh, they, of course, have problems because the welfare systems are not uh, so well equipped as the Nordic countries, where there are more welfare systems uh, which allow you as a woman to go at work having then a compatibility of being mother and all taking care of your older parents, because Italy is also the country uh, with the oldest uh, uh, population in Italy. Each of us has older parents to take care of and uh, children. And, and this, of course, if you don't have a sort of network, which should not only be the familiar network, the informal network, but, but also a public network of support, this it doesn't allow a lot of women to go to work. And the crisis, the COVID crisis, has even more worsened the situation 
because uh, a lot of women were forced, were kicked out, uh, kicked off out of work of uh, out of uh, um, 101,000 jobs lost in December in Italy, 99,000 were women. Could you imagine? So we have already a very uh, low number of employed women. This number is decreasing. And then, of course, we have all this issue of leadership. And then we have these pyramids with many women uh, at the basis. And then when you ramp up to the top, there is a smaller and smaller and smaller and decreasing number going to the top. But anyway, it's good to focus on these topics. So it's the the the, the number on the on the COVID uh, or the COVID crisis is uh, is uh, staggering. Uh, Gara, is that is that the same in in other countries that you uh, that you work with? This is not a question. Is uh, I'll just leave you the floor, but it was uh, it really struck me. Mm. Yeah, I think that um, the result has been that, that COVID, but not just um, COVID. We could say this about all um, pandemics and usually crises, they always have a much worse effect on women than men. Um, so this is, is, this is something that's, uh, you know, that's been historically proven and COVID in the same way. And I do think that um, what has happened with COVID is that it has exacerbated those fault lines that were already existing in our society. So all those uh, inequalities that already existed before COVID in terms of gender have become much worse. Um, and that means that, you know, whether we're talking about domestic violence, it got much worse after COVID. So many women um, have had repercussions because they've had to also be caretakers for their children and be at home rather than be able to go to work. And they've taken, instead of the husbands, they've taken the brunt of the situation and the responsibility, so it's weighed more on their jobs. And so probably a lot more of them got fired than, than men. And then we also have the fact that women um, usually have, you know, more precarious jobs and um, are in more uh, times of part-time and um, more uh, work that is more likely to be let go of when there is a situation that's difficult. Um, and they're also in the sectors that have been most touched by COVID. So for all of these reasons, you know, I think COVID is going to have a great effect on, um, you know, bringing us back many years on the work we did in terms of, of gender equality. And I, that's why I think it's really, really important that whenever we talk about post-COVID, how are we going to rebuild we really have to do it with a gender lens and say, how are women going to be part of this future that we're that we're creating? And um, we can't just forget that or put that to the side. So I think it's um, it's something that that is, you know, very, very, very urgent to um, to talk about. And Chiara, by the way, there is also another another issue which is impacting a lot, which is uh, a gender pay gap. In a lot of countries, I mean, in, in all countries, there is, uh, when you do the same job, you have the same competencies, the same years of experience. I mean, you earned in between uh, 10 to 20, 30% less. I mean, which is absolutely unbearable. And when you have a crisis where you have to take care of your children, of your house, of your family, blah, blah, who is the one who takes care of it? The one who uh, also has uh, uh, the lower salary, which unfortunately, <laughs> for, for, by the fact that women are in the lower uh, uh, positions, which are anyway paid less when you are so at the basis of the pyramid. And then when you have at the same time uh, the effect of uh, gender pay gap, of course, who is staying at home? Women. If you have to force a family to have somebody at home because you cannot afford to have uh, and nanny, because, I mean, it's very expensive to have a nanny. It's not affordable by any family who is staying at home. The one who is uh, has the lower salary, and these are women, unfortunately. And this is also impacted by gender pay gap, which in Italy is, uh, I mean, uh, uh, according to the sectors, a flow thing in between 8 to 15% minimum. So it is actually really a vicious circle. I uh, I totally I totally understand that. So um, 
I think is the 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 this is a good moment to uh, to take a break and come back with more on this topic. And I already anticipate that uh, we're going to start with the, the the cultural aspect of it, because the more I listen you talking, the more I understand that uh, you know uh, myself, for example. I also make a lot this mistake of thinking of a female entrepreneur, right, rather than uh, an entrepreneur. Now, it, of course, you, you, because of this conversation, you have to, because it's what we are talking about. But even in my day-to-day life, I tend to, uh, I mean, I have this mental distortion of not uh, thinking uh, in you know even you know even with the word that, that that I pick even if my I swear to God my brain is clean you know and and my and my uh how do you say it uh my my heart is clean in thinking about this uh, this matter but there is all this cultural bias you know that uh, that I that we are surrounded with that, that makes the challenge even more difficult so stay with us we are coming back and it's a wrap. The FTS Group builds innovation ecosystems. We engage incumbents, investors, entrepreneurs, technology partners, and regulators to build trusted and connected fintech tribes around the world. We firmly believe that innovation in financial services will truly improve people's lives. Learn more on ftsgroup.eu. Hey guys, welcome back to show number 76. It's uh, she, her talking about uh, inclusion. I learned from the first part of the show rather than uh, gender equality is a better way to define this matter. I'm here with uh, Chiara and Isabella. And uh, what we were talking about uh, during during the break was the fact that the cultural matter is by far the uh, the most uh, um, challenging one, and the fact that even in, in you know in the way we talk, we have some uh, mental bias that uh, even if the most purest soul and and, and form of uh, of thinking uh, uh, doesn't make it easy even to like uh, pick the right uh, way of framing uh, of framing the issue. Uh, but at the end of the day, we are a fintech podcast, so it would be good also to uh, start with some, um, uh, like, the numbers and context setting more in uh, tech and 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 financial services. And I think uh, Isabella has uh, some uh, um, uh, not statistics, but some data to to share. Isa. Um, I would like to start with uh, a thought. So in the coming years, uh, through next uh, generation uh, Europe, will be created millions of uh, uh, works and of employment opportunities, especially in two areas, which are innovation, digitalization, uh, and uh, on the other hand, uh, sustainability. Uh, And it's very important uh, for the discussion we are carrying out today that women will be uh, allowed and will be also leaning in this kind of jobs. Of course, if you want to jump into an innovative and tech-driven job, you have to study for in the proper way to, I mean, enter in uh, certain areas. And if we look at the numbers uh, uh, of... uh, uh, students of uh, enrolled into uh, STEM uh, uh, courses, at least in Italy, numbers are striking because uh, out of uh, 100 girls uh, studying at the university, uh, 82 uh, study in humanistic uh, courses and just 18 are engaged into STEM uh, matters. So uh, engineering, uh, math, uh, science, and so on, which are the basis to, I mean, address, to be uh, able to address the, these new jobs of the future, which we were talking about. So here there is something which is uh, really culturally driven, 
because at least in Italy, there is this idea, which a lot of studies uh, uh, showed that if you are a girl, probably you're good at uh, humanities or arts. Uh, and if you are a boy, then of course you should be automatically be enrolled into math, uh, math or well, science or engineering. I mean, I think that uh, every child should be uh, empowered to find its own uh, way, its own story, uh, absolutely in an open way. So there is a huge work, culturally speaking, to do, uh, already starting from elementary school to all the school cycle, arriving then at university. And it's very important to show positive role models uh, to uh, demonstrate to also uh, um, young uh, female students, but also to boys, of course, that uh, uh, successful startups, uh, successful entrepreneurs in fintech, or successful top managers uh, in uh, high tech uh, groups uh, or in hard stuff groups could be uh, also women, of course. Uh, uh, and it's important to show that it's possible to exploit different ways. And this was also the ratio for the initiative I was mentioning you before, Illimit Hair, to show that there are these role models and we bring uh, 30, 35 years old uh, young role models to talk about the story because role models should not be 60 years old, very successful CEOs, should be young people to, to have real impact on choices of students. So th this is a cultural uh, topic. Then if we go into... Uh, the data about uh, innovation, again, we see what uh, Matteo was mentioning before. Uh, in Italy, um, depending on uh, the label innovative startups or startups in general, uh, the number of female-led startups is um, um, goes um, from uh, uh, 15 to 20 percent, which is, I mean, a, a very small number. And uh, when you also talk about uh, accessing to financing, it's even more difficult for women. There are a lot of international studies showing that uh, the access to financing as well to the financial access to basic financial services in developing countries is very difficult for women. Again, here there is, a, uh, uh, again, a, a sort of cultural bias because you don't have to show that you have an husband uh, I mean, uh, for instance, in developing countries to open your banking account. And uh, also this uh, uh, really so basic uh, uh, topic are key to be addressed because uh, financial autonomy is really the key and starts from having a job, having an employment. We go back to the point we were mentioning before. And this is a cultural issue. In a lot of countries, you have to fight to show that it's possible for a woman to have uh, a good work that she likes and have also family at the same time with children or without children, because also having children or deciding not to have children, it's a personal choice. And again, we hit here again with the uh, cultural biases. Chiara, what do you think? <laughs> no, I think that there, there are a lot of really important, um, important topics and I, on the topic of, of sort of financially uh, financial independence, which you touched upon, I just want to take it, you know, to one extreme because I think people are, are not aware of this. But you know, uh, lack of financial independence is also one of the primary reasons that domestic violence exists. Um, for example, in our society, because. Um, because if you are not independent and if you are not equal, then it's a lot easier for somebody to have uh, full control over you. And, um, you know, I think economic violence is one of the more important topics around uh, domestic violence that we're talking about now. Um, and there are so many women who also cannot leave situations of domestic violence because they are not free because they're not economically free. So even if even if they're beaten, even if they're psychologically abused by their husbands, they, they don't have the means to assure their own freedom and the freedom of their children. 
So, you know, we think this is not a big deal, but it is. And it could become also just extreme in the situation that, that I mentioned. And I think you also mentioned, you know, very, very important subjects, which are that there's not enough um, exposure to uh, women in STEM. And I think this we need to correct at a very early age because um, if we're not exposing young girls, then of course we're not going to have the pipeline of talents later on um, in order to fill those leadership roles. So I think you know what we are talking about here, which is we're talking about inequality, we're talking about bias that keeps women. Um, out of the workplace or not high enough in the workplace. We're talking about, you know, exposure to um, certain subjects like STEM. It shows you the challenge of solving gender equality. It shows you that gender equality, the, the inequality, I should say, the problem is that it's so pervasive in, in our society and it's so pervasive in everything that we do that there is no one single action that is going to solve gender inequality. And unfortunately, it's the, the problem is that it's so big that we have to change our whole culture. We have to address all of these problems because otherwise, you know, in a way, none of them are gonna be solved because they are all linked. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's why we're still there. That's why, you know, the World Economic Forum says we're still, you know, 200 years away from solving inequality. It's because, all of this is, is so complicated, is so interlinked and so big. Um, but that being said, you know, I think when we usually when we say things like that, it really depresses people because they say, well, then what can I wake up and, and do every single day? And I say, you know what, we are, we are 8 billion people in this world. So we each have our ecosystem um, of influence. You know, each one of us is a, is a parent. Each one of us is a, is a colleague or coworker. Each one of us is a manager or, um, you know, or, you know, has, has friends. Uh, and so we all touch people in our daily lives. So I think the best way we, that we solve, you know, this huge challenge that we just laid out, which is, you know, gender inequality, is by waking up every single day and being an actor of gender equality in our own lives and by changing people through our own experience. Um, so I think how the way we do that is by, you know, being careful in our every action, in our every micro decision, uh, you know, not having only our daughter open the dishwasher, making sure that our son does the same. You know, are, am I treating my interns in my office in the same way, whether it's a man or a woman? Am I giving the same opportunities? A am I looking at a man or a woman in the same way when I'm investing in them? Am I doing that when I'm looking at them for a promotion? And it's in challenging all those micro decisions that we're going to make the difference and that people are going to see us making the difference and that they're going to change too. And that's how the world is going to really change. And I think the biggest way that we as individuals can accelerate the closing of that 200-year gap. Chiara uh, and Isabella, actually, you, you both touch uh, the, the super important point of uh, uh, education of women in tech. So I want also, as us being the pioneer of this uh, of this show i want to shout out to actually at least three uh, sort of initiatives that we should invite two of them are actually also uh, chiara's friend i don't know if isabella if you know them but one for sure uh, hannah hannah bezad if we do our tech in in morocco uh, another initiative is uh, uh, leila hussein who is more uh, focused on uh, uh, helping uh, gender mutilated women with entrepreneurship initiative. And the third one uh, who might be new to both of you is actually my friend Ruth Polacek uh, from Israel. Uh, she runs something called She Codes. And I think uh, she is, uh, uh, she has already uh, sort of taught 36,000 women in Israel to code. And it would be amazing to give visibility. And, and these are, of course, is in, in, in tech and innovation. And, and it's also certainly one of the huge vertical 
of of this uh, gender inequality issue that I would like to uh, to explore. Uh, we we still have more or less uh, five to seven minutes to go. So quickly, uh, Chiara, and then Isa, you uh, like step in however you uh, uh, you want. Uh, how do you change the culture in a super large organizations that you deal with, like banks, insurances, which I know of, but also like food and beverages? I mean, where do you even? start you know because uh, and i suppose that if they kind of hire you is because their heart is in the right place but i imagine you going there talking to the head of hr and he or she has uh, i don't know like 200,000 people or 50,000 people to deal with the house statistically more or less maybe they're women or not how do you deal with that yeah, so I think that one of the reasons why we haven't seen results in, in the way that we would have liked to see results in this area is because I think money in on gender equality issues is often misallocated. And why is it misallocated? It's misallocated because we don't see it as a, a global and broad issue that and cultural issue that really affects all parts, like I said. So you can't really go into a company and say, I'm just going to solve the gender pay gap or I'm just going to create a mentoring program for women. You have to go into a company thinking that you're going to change the culture and then you're going to um, create programs and that you're going to put in systems to change that culture. But you're going to, that you're going to have to create really broad change across the company and across the culture to have results. Otherwise, I mean, it's like having a cocktail for Women's Day. That doesn't really help. And a lot of times when I go into a company, um, then I have a problem because, you know, I tell, I tell them, uh, they, they'll, tell, they'll come and approach me and, and say, I want a women mentoring program. And I say, do you really know that what you need is a women mentoring program? You don't even know where the problem is, you know? So you really need to, you know, I can throw you a men women mentoring program in. I don't have no problem doing it, but is that really going to solve your issues? What, or, you know, is really bringing, ending gender inequality in your company or bringing inclusion of everybody? Is that really your goal? Because if that is really your goal, then you have to go for a broad cultural change, which means understanding, first of all, what's happening and diagnosing why people do not feel included in this environment. And then, creating the appropriate tools and um, um, and things that you need to solve that. But first, you need to really have an understanding of where the problem is coming from and then understand that you're going to have to change things, you know, from the leadership, you know, to the pay gap, to awareness raising for your employees, to, uh, you know, recruitment practices, and that it really affects everything and, and it affects everything across the company. And it's not until you solve all of that, that you're really going to fully solve the issue. Isabella, you have been, you have been an executive uh, in, in, in the past years in at least three big uh, structure that I can, that I can think of. I imagine you relate, you know, with what Chiara uh, is saying about uh, you know, they, they, I'm not even sure that the large companies know where to start. Um, I, I, I have been working for many years in a very big multinational insurance group, which is AXA, which is absolutely, I mean, on the edge of taking real commitments on uh, um, equality and empowerment. And uh, at the end of this story, uh, I think that. Uh, my personal uh, lesson learned is that uh, you have to walk the talk. So you need to have leaders internally. And so you have to, as Chiara said, uh, you have to bring on board men. Otherwise, you are not going to succeed. Uh, who really believe uh, in the importance uh, for uh, the performance of the company and the equity and the social role of the company, because it's also a sort of ESG sustainability stuff of being equal. It's important to have uh, a, a, a true diversity and inclusion. So uh, walk the talk and having really the leaders on board. And then what really works uh, in uh, big uh, groups is to um, foster to individuate a, a group of champions and sponsors 
uh, heavyweight ones uh, who really push uh, uh, these uh, topics and should not be only women. So it's important to have the women uh, who play also a role of uh, role models vis-a-vis -vis the other employees. But then it's uh, also very important to have a champions and sponsor who really believe in the importance of uh, pushing this uh, cultural change ahead. It's possible. It takes, as Chiara was mentioning, it uh, takes time. It's uh, encompassing uh, all processes, way of uh, doing things. And one of the key uh, process to be addressed is the pipeline, is the building of the pipeline of talents. If you don't intervene, so I mean, usually one of the big problems is the glass ceiling. So you have a very small numbers of women in executive roles. But if you don't prepare in a proper way, the pipeline of talents with the merit-driven criteria, but also with a thought on how to correct this unbalance at the executive level, we are not going to address uh, in a quick uh, way the topic because you cannot kill or substitute the male executives, of course. I mean, this has nothing to do with this, but uh, you have to really work very hardly on uh, rebalancing based on merit the pipeline. And therefore, we go back to the point I was raising before. It's so important to have women enrolled into STEM, into math, engineering, a technologically driven kind of studies, because sometimes uh, certain roles at executive level need a certain kind of education. So it's really important to uh, go to this point. And then I would like uh, also to raise a point. I don't know if Chiara agrees or not. I think that uh, as women, we also play a huge part in this game. So, um, First, we should learn how to lean in and learn how to ask because uh, sometimes too many women also in companies are not asking for promotions. They're not applying to different jobs because they think they're not 100% perfectly uh, perfect for this job while sometimes 80% is enough and 20% is learned while doing the job. Uh, so lean in, it's really important in a sense. And then uh, we should enhance our capacity of creating networks among women because we improved a lot, but there is still much to do. And then I think that um, we should, uh, we, we are also, we bring also a value which is uh, very important and it's a cultural value, which a lot of men have, of course, too, which is kindness. So if uh, kindness uh, and the power of kindness is brought as a contribution in terms of cultural change in companies, this could really also be the sort of uh, uh, glue that uh, uh, brings uh, together all the things. So we should uh, sort out a sort of new indicator like the return on kindness rock uh, as a new KPI in addition to all the other ESG or financial KPIs. Eyes. Chiara, you want to add something? Um, yeah, you know, I think uh, I think something that that somebody said on my podcast stands out, and he said, um, and I, I'll just add this as as the ending. Um, and you know, I, I agree very much, agree with everything that, um, that that Isabella said, and I think we just really need to push forward on on every front. Um, and what he said is that you can't be a capitalist without being a feminist because you can't have the maximum return on society and return on your investment. And if we do not live in a world where everybody has equal opportunity. And, uh, you know, I think that's, that's a great thing to leave people with. And, <laughs> and I think that we need to think that today it doesn't exist because the meritocracy doesn't exist. For all the reasons that we brought up today, the world is not fair. The world is not equal for women. And we are still fighting against things like unconscious bias and um, all these things that prevent us, that, um, that, that condition us and prevent us um, like Isabella said, from, from getting those positions, from having the confidence to go for things um, when we are not more than 150% qualified. All of these things 
exist because of a culture that we've inherited and we carry them with us. So for all these reasons, you know, the meritocracy does not exist, you know, so we need to correct that. And we need to bring women to the equal playing field um, that's going to create the best result for all of society. So I just invite everybody in your podcast, um, like this person said, to be a feminist and a capitalist. The, the beauty of having uh, a, 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 an executive producer of another podcast in your own podcast is that in this case, she makes the perfect conclusion to your own podcast instead of you, which is great. And I don't have to do it. You can't be a capitalist if you're not a feminist. So it's, uh, it's you know, I will, I will certainly take this one uh, home today. Uh, Isabella, Chiara, thank you so much for being with us. I think that uh, on the top of highlight some of the um, sort of broad uh, uh, vision on uh, on this, we have also highlight uh, two or three verticals I can think of, and I know that there are many more. But the the good news is that uh, I'm really happy that uh, the uh, gender inequality issue has found home in Breaking Banks Europe, and I hope we will have uh, uh, many more uh, shows like. Uh, like this one. Uh, as a tradition, last 10 seconds, how people can find you, both Chiara and Isabella. Chiara? Um, on all social media and on my website, chiaraconby.com. Great. Isabella? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter, but I uh, would say LinkedIn. So if you drop me a message there, I will be more than happy to interact with you if you want. Great. Thank you so much for being with us today. Stay tuned for more uh, She Her shows on Breaking Banks Europe and uh, have a great rest of the day. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.